What is up, Podheads? Welcome to the Potty of Slave podcast. This is episode 49. Believe it or not, it's been a wild ride and it's only going to get better. We're going to be nerding out today, but first I wanted to highlight our socials. You can find us at Twitter and Instagram, both at Potty of Slave. So check us out there. Super active. All sorts of cool, nerdy content always going on. But also I wanted to highlight the email. We don't get a whole lot of emails because email's a little, it's getting a little outdated. But if you do ever want to send us a message, podcast at gmail.com. It's always open. We're always taking uh, different questions and things like that. And speaking of which, Tuan, we got some questions last time, right? Yeah, we did. Episode 48 was our mailbag episode round two. And uh, yeah, a lot of submissions. So we, we appreciate uh, everyone that submitted questions. Uh, we were talking about it before this episode started that uh, we have a fucking blast with those with those episodes. We've done two of them. We'll do more of that stuff. Uh, and you don't have to wait for the next one. If you c- can think of questions, like uh, like Nate said, email's always open, Twitter, IG. Yeah, anything news-related, records we want our opinions on, any- anything like that, throw it, throw it at us. Yeah, I, I think I know why people don't email very much. Why is that? They're sliding up in our DMs, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we get some cool DMs from people and, and some questions uh, that way, too. So appreciated uh, the, the people that reached out to us that way. And, and we're... The, the list is being compiled for round three, which will probably happen next summer. So send them now. We'll, we'll put them down on paper or, or uh, digital paper and be ready for it next uh, next summer when we do another round of the mailbag. Yeah, keep them coming. Tell a friend, subscribe, comment, like. You know, we've got a pod for that. You know, whatever fan you are of music, we have it's a true. pod for that. Good point. I feel like we've touched almost everything, and uh, we keep expanding. So we got a a lot you know, on deck for what we're going to nerd out in the future Podia Slave podcast. But uh, today we got a cool segment. We're going to deep dive on the Foo Fighters, which is somewhat a house band, I feel like, at the Podia Slave podcast. Uh, they just dropped a new album. So we're going to kind of go through that and their whole album release that they've had throughout their career. So it's going to be a fun one tonight. Stoked for that. Yeah, we're going to rank them. Right. We're going to yep. tell you what number 10 is all the way down to number one. So I'm sure I, I have bold take right now. We probably all have the same 10th record and we probably all have the same first record. That's my guess. Oh. Hmm. Hey, speak for yourself, man. Oh, this is just my <laughs> guess. I, and we'll circle back at the end to see if I was right. And it's great because they have 10, 10 studio albums. So this was meant to be. But before that, we uh, had a couple headlines we wanted to get to. I'm going to have Nate start us off with the first one because it involves boy. his boy, Elon, and Neuralink. So, Nate, give me the uh, explain it like I'm five breakdown of what's going on with Elon and Neuralink. Absolutely. Um, and happy to represent Elon Musk. The guy's crazy, but he's one of the smartest people in the history of human beings that I could probably attest to. Um, one of his many inventions is the Neuralink. Uh, Neuralink is a microchip that's going to be implanted to your, into your brain. So they're going to basically cut a circular one inch by one inch hole into your skull and implant a chip to I'm help out. your... I'm out on this already. <laughs> yeah, you're out. Hold on, there's more. Seacrest out. <laughs> the initial plans for this product is to help people with, you know, any kind of decline in recognition, I guess, what's the disease where you lose your memory? Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Yeah, things like that. That's kind of like how it's going to be rolled out initially. But this product is very futuristic, as many of Elon's uh, inventions have been. So th- what we've seen recently is this is going to eventually stream music directly into your your brain. 
which is uh, not far-fetched when you think about it. So can I ask a dumb question? Totally. Say you get one of those, you know, no one's even really discussed cost to my knowledge, but you get one in your brain. How do you pick the song? How do you change the volume? Is there volume or is it vibration? Like, help me out here, guys. That's a great question. Uh, there's, yeah, man. Like, uh, is it using your skull as the vibration? You know how all of our voices sound different to ourselves than they do to the rest of the world? And we all hate how we sound. <laughs> and then we start a podcast and you're like, damn, I have to listen to myself every week. This sucks. Uh, but yeah, the uh, it's how is that going to work? And will it make those boring conversations with the people that at work that you don't want to talk to better because you can just turn some music on? And actually, you know what I just thought of? What about kid? Like, uh, what's the age cutoff? Because a kid could get one and cheat on every test. That's true. Yeah, you get, you get fed. Uh, you know, I'm almost thinking it's like a combination. Like, remember Google Glass? How like? Yep. Yep. You you operated it like I guess with your voice. I wonder if this is just plugged into your brain. You can tell how much I know about this. I'm just. Well, it it's. I think it's a very abstract idea. Like the fact that this is going to solve all these ills. And fix and be become this like on demand supercomputer inside your already, you know, biological supercomputer. I think we're a long way away from point A to point Z where that that happens. I don't know how we get there uh, as far as that goes, but I mean, it's interesting if it's going to help out with some you know Alzheimer's type things and other neurological conditions. If it does that, then yeah, okay, now I'm listening. But I'll, I don't mind putting in headphones, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little it's a little crazy when you think about it. Um, obviously, the the goal is to help people, but there's it is a little creepy in a lot of ways. Um, to answer your question, Tuan, you think about you think about anything really, and you see the ad on Instagram, you know, five minutes later. I think there's going to be a correlation there, where it's really, you know, you don't even have to really put the commands in. It'll kind of know what you're thinking, kind of go to that song. Like I want to hear, or I'm thinking of uh, the Foo Fighters, for instance. We're going to talk about them tonight. And I want a heavy Foo Fighters song. And it kind of just narrows it down to four songs or something and kind of goes on autoplay. And you can just tell, you can say skip or kind of like your AirPods, your Apple uh, earphones, you just kind of tap it to go to the next song. You tap your head or whatever, you know? So I think the craziest thing about everything, about this whole thing is the fact that it's inevitable, and uh, which is kind of crazy. But I, when I'm not doing the Patio Slave nerd thing, I'm kind of geeking out on all Elon's projects. So I've been paying attention to this pre-launch there was some public information on it prior to it being fully exposed and brought to the masses and they're still figuring it out but um they've done trials on pigs and they're going to be doing human trials by the end of 2021 of this year so just like everything the uh, ai symbiosis is in full motion it's just uh, in a handheld device and eventually it'll be um, in your brain so it's happening here's my hot take which i think is not a hot take. It's very practical. This ain't coming out. There's no way this will see market. I mean, what if there's a problem with it? You you call Neuralink customer support. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do? This isn't happening. My brain's on fire, guys. Can you fix it? <laughs> yeah. Is there like a fan that cools the? You know, I don't. I don't know enough about it. And maybe I'm just being negative about it. We're be, I think we're we're being old old fuddy-duddies here, right? We're <laughs> no, being, <laughs> get off my lawn. This is never, I'm never giving up my headphones, that type of thing. I think there's, I think there's some merit to some of this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much of this is going to work, but I mean, 
all these, if you had told me that I'd have a supercomputer in my hand 15 years ago, I'd be like, what are you talking about? So you never know, right? I mean, anything is possible. It's hard to, it's hard to say absolutely not to stuff. That's the best way to look at it. And I do champion Elon Musk. So I don't want to, you know, go the opposite direction and say, I'm not understanding where you guys are coming from, but the best way to look at it or any, you know, product futuristic wise is the fact that it's, it's never, you know, flash in the pan. It doesn't happen overnight. There's going to be a natural progression to get to the end game that we're talking about where you're streaming music in your head simultaneously, or you're thinking of a song and it plays on automatically or whatever. It's really just, a ma- I feel like all this stuff is just a matter of time and it's, it's weird talking about it now, but you know, 10 years from now, it'll be so ingrained, whether it's this device or, you know, jumping in a, you know, float, not a floating car, but an electric car that's self-driving is, I think we're also about a year away from that. So all this technology is being built. It's really just about, uh, you know, regulatory approval. So self-driving cars is really being held up by regulatory issues. And same with this, uh, as soon as they get FDA approval, this will roll out, believe it or not. So I understand where you're coming from because it sounds insane, but it's, it's actually going to go down. So what if you have a really small head? Do you get a smaller one? And if you have like a really big head, you get a bigger one? <laughs> what are the speakers like? That's a, it. <laughs> It's one size fits all, I believe. Oh, man, that, that, that <laughs> may not work. That may not work. In the world that we live in today, nobody is one size fits all. So obviously this is interesting stuff, but the tie to music is obviously the listening to music. Like that's kind of the, one of the marketing things that's being thrown out there. But also uh, Lil Uzi Vert, the rapper, said he's getting one and his wife right grimes she's a she's an artist too so yeah they're they're all about about it didn't Liz, little uzi vert just like put a diamond in his forehead too yeah so that maybe that's the stepping stone first the diamond and now literally the- a stepping stone <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so that's exciting um we'll throw a little water on nate and then we're going to move on to our next uh <laughs> our next topic here this is something that I've been interested in because I've seen it more and more. And obviously from bigger artists, Taylor Swift is the one that comes to mind for me. She has been kind of rebranding um, the two albums she put out last year and, you know, picking four or five songs from maybe one album and two or three from another and calling them, you know, different collections. Right. And making them playlists. They're just, they're just playlists. It's cool. It gives the artists a chance to kind of breathe life into something that, already existed so like i could see bands going back to their album from seven years ago and then putting a couple songs from the most recent one together and saying these kind of fit together here's a playlist and then giving it a collection name i think this is a a a move taylor saw coming and more and more artists are going to do what do you guys think yeah is this like a weekly thing she's doing she's been doing it now for a couple of weeks yeah geez i mean yeah so she's put her this is a it's a it checks a lot of boxes. It's a good way to promote the new album, keep it fresh, keep it on people's radars. It's a good way to keep her on people's radars. And, um, you know, it's uh, more pennies in her pocket, the more streams. And obviously we discussed in previous episodes how much her catalog's worth and the volume of streams that she generates. Yeah, I mean, this is like low-hanging fruit. It's like kind of a like a more recent greatest hits that she can just keep pumping out makes sense this this it, would this have happened without covid probably not she'd be out touring and or maybe th- this would supplement touring who knows you said it you took the words right out of my mouth with the greatest hits thing because um i don't know if you've noticed on instagram um rage against the machine has been doing something on spotify saying rage against the machine greatest hits 
Oh wow! I'm like greatest greatest yep. hits. Like they never they never even put out a greatest hits. And I think we've talked about it on here because they're they kind of rage against that whole record machine, you know. So they're kind of a, they had a, found a way to avoid that greatest hits thing. But with the Spotify thing, same thing because of COVID. Like it's a way to recycle the music and get you know more spins and whatnot. And I just thought of it as yeah, it's another greatest hits. It's really just the soup of the day. You know what I mean? These songs have already been played. People already know them. You're just kind of like repackaging it to like present it and get those spins up. And I've just noticed like all sorts of different tactics that we may not even like notice. You know what I mean? Like if you're watching a show on Netflix and you fall asleep or you turn off the TV, but the show continues to play, there's all sorts of tactics being thrown in where like there's more spins that are happening and more streams when really no one's even really paying attention. So that greatest hits, you might play it in the background and forget about it. Or like you already knew that song or you already played the album, but because it's packaged as a playlist, you know, you're revisiting it a third time or an additional time for that, for that reason. So I think there's some merit to the, the greatest hits thing. I think there's also some merit to like un, like dusting off some songs that maybe hadn't been, maybe needed a new life and hitting them with songs that were already kind of big like, all right, here, here are these two songs that, you know, did really well on their original stream when the album came out. And this one didn't, maybe didn't do as much. Like, let's get some people listening to that one. Because maybe it was later in the album. Maybe it was just a song that never, never hit. And let's get those to into people's ears, too. Because this six-song playlist is easy for a workout. You're going to go for a half-an-hour run, bang. I'm going to listen to that playlist that Taylor just put out or Rage Against the Machine just put out or say the Foo Fighters do with a couple songs from The Color and the Shape and a song from uh, There's Nothing Left to Lose and et cetera, et cetera, right? Like that's a good way to get some of those older songs that maybe don't get hit on the way that they used to because time has passed. And there's so many angles with it because you could go like Mood Booster Taylor. Like that could be the playlist, Mood Booster Taylor or, you know, the November you know, fall kind of thing going on or like the heavy, th- the heavy therapy, uh, you know, th- there's different angles you could do. Like this is the summer, hey, we do feel that every good, week. the summer feel good, uh, Taylor mix. Yeah. This is, I, I don't know. I, I think other people have done it, but she's Taylor. So if she does it, she kind of, yeah. Dictating the market, right? She can yeah. Di- yeah, exactly. So now she's the blueprint. So now we're, we're going to get like, you know, summer uh, nine inch Trent Reznor summer edition playlist or something. <laughs> I think all those are winter fall songs. <laughs> or you bring up a good or... point. You bring up a good point with songs that didn't maybe get the time of day. I'm just relating it to my own job. So we run a thing called gap reports where certain markets aren't performing compared to other markets. So we put an initial focus on those markets, you know, to kind of get them up to speed. And I, I think what you said is exactly probably what's going down metric wise because they're like you know what we know this song should be hitting at the same level as the singles it's equally as good same producers same singer all that stuff so let's just keep pumping this until it's you know they're all hitting on all targets so like well, you're trying accurate. to find the yeah you're trying to find the area that needs a little love right massage yeah. that and see if you can't get a little more out of it i'm gonna i got called by a credit card company today that i have a credit card with that i have not used in probably a year and it's had a zero balance, whatever, just kind of hung out in my in my wallet, but doesn't get used. They called me and they're like, hey, why why aren't you using it? Can you use it? <laughs> get all the data. <laughs> like, I'm like, hey, guys, uh, I'm all set. How about we, uh, you know, but that's that's the same idea, right? They're trying to find 
Let's let's uh, let's squeeze that rock and see if there's a couple pennies in it. I mean, when you think about it, it's like intelligent radio. It's like mm-hmm. yeah. radio just blasts shit out in every direction. This is like local WCYY knows I'm a Rage fan, so they direct the speaker into my house. It's like that same thing. It's crazy. Totally. Cool. Yeah. So that's what we think the ball's moving on that, right? That's that's gonna we're gonna see more of that, especially from those bigger bigger artists who have a massive catalog and if they were to rebrand some of their stuff, people would eat it up. Yeah, those two things tie I mean that tied into the Neuralink tied into Spotify listening to everything you're thinking, like you literally will have a moment, like a one second moment of depression and you'll get like some kind of depressing song <laughs> in your Neuralink. Wait, you guys have seen the Matrix, right? <laughs> Yeah. We're we're so fucked. This doesn't end well, guys. <laughs> we're so fucked. All right. We want to hop into the, the main segment tonight. Yes. Yes. Let's distract ourselves from the crazy. Foo Fighters. Yeah. So Foo Fighters dropped Medicine at Midnight. When you're hearing this, it's been a little over a week since that dropped. We obviously are fans and fans of Dave Grohl and most of the things that he's done over his career. So we thought instead of just giving you a report on what we thought about Medicine at Midnight, let's slot it in with all the other nine albums and give you our top 10 in whatever form or fashion that it is. So yeah. Who wants to lead off with their number 10 Foo Fighters record? Can I actually give an opening statement? Ooh, yes, please. Yes. A couple things. This was very hard. Mm -hmm. Super hard. That's one kind of punchline. Second punchline, this underscored how impressive their catalog is. And And lastly, there's not a dud in here. Every album has nope. re- redeeming qualities that I think warrant a comeback to. I would say the 10th album, because it's 10th, it doesn't make it bad. Exactly. Yep. That's a good way to put it. It's just not on the level of some of their other work. Like the number 10 would mop the floor with like a lot of quote unquote good bands out there. Like they're good records, yeah. I think. I, I noticed, I noticed I enjoyed listening to them stuff that I hadn't maybe given as much time a day as the other stuff I listened to through today a little bit. And I, I just realized how much I liked the band and how approachable their rock songs are. Like they know how to write a song. They know how to write a hook. They know how to write a chorus. They know how to, you know, where the guitars need to go, where the drums need to go. Like they're just good at music. And um, obviously from about midway through their career on as a group have honed it and made it into something where they can take different chances here and there. And it works. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Like I, my appreciation for this band increased from this deep study, you know, to the point where I was like, Hmm, is Foo Fighters my favorite band? (laughs) You (laughs) know, like shit, like I like all this music and some stuff I, you know, didn't give the time of the day back then. And I mean, if you saw my notes, I crossed out this list so many times and moved things in different directions because I was like, Oh wait, this was my second or third favorite album. Now it's like the, anyways, I don't want to give anything away, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's very easy to switch around and it just shows. Yeah. It really highlights their talent as a band, very much so Dave Grohl, but I mean, as a band tight instrumentally, musically, lyrically, energy, different sounds, different genres. Like, I mean, they're, they're an all time band. I did, I mean, I knew that, but this, this changed that for me. I was like, Oh, wow. When you look in the encyclopedia and just find solid rock band, like Foo fighters should populate as number one now, you know? Yep. So, well, and they're probably the the biggest rock band still going right now, right? I mean, there aren't too many doing what they're doing to, to today, especially where rock has kind of taken a backseat in popular music. It, there's it's still they're still very popular, and rock still has its um, corners of the world. But 
compared to like where it was 20 years ago. It's, it's a different, different landscape. Totally. Yeah. And to highlight what you're saying, like, I think we talked about it last episode, Pearl Jam is my favorite band, but I mean, Foo Fighters, I think I like more of their albums front to back more than Pearl Jam, you know? So that's saying something right there. So right, yeah. Jumping to number 10. Who's got number, what, who wants to lead off with their number 10? I'll do it. I got it. I'm ready. Do it. Yeah. Concrete and Gold came out uh, September 15th in 2017. I, at the time, didn't give it a ton of time. Um, I really liked Run. I really liked uh, The Skies and Neighborhood. Listened through it again today because it's been a while since I had spun it. I, I picked up a few other songs that I liked. It's, it's got its moments where they're kind of lulls and like I would skip if I were not doing homework on it. Um, but this was my number 10. I think you were right with the prediction. Was it Utuan or no? You Utuan that said we might have the same ten and one. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Mine is also concrete and gold, uh, which is funny, but just because, I mean, I I like to relate it to the time as well, like 2017 for me personally, and maybe there might be another part of the fan population that agrees that Foo Fighters like seem to go in these like you know ebb and flows, where I think 2017 was kind of like. Man, they were touring so consistently. I almost like got used to them. I got comfortable, you know. They were so accessible that I saw them on these tours. But I mean, I wasn't really checking out the albums. I was kind of just going to the show. So I didn't give the the album the time of the day, and it just didn't really. The singles didn't really grab me too much. And then revisiting today, and to kind of, you know, go back to what you were saying earlier, it's still an amazing album. <laughs> it's still mm-hmm. really solid. Yeah. Um, just stacking against their other releases, it had to hit the ten because it just. There's just so much good music, but it's still actually decent. And revisiting today, I was like, oh, it's actually better than I remember. So that's good. Same. I did not have uh, Concrete and Gold at 10. So I'll save my assessment for that for when we get to the number (laughs) I had it at. Um, I had Sonic Highways. Ooh. Uh, You know, we're transparent on this podcast. I didn't hear this. I'd never heard this album until we said we were going to do this episode. So I'm a, you know, late to the party kind of guy. For me, nothing really stood out. It was it was a it was a good album, not a great album. Definitely wasn't a bad album. It was, it was a good album, but it's nothing I'd come back to. And that's there's a few albums that I hadn't heard. I would say there's maybe three or four I hadn't heard. I I guess I'm more into their early stuff, but not because I didn't like the new stuff. I just never heard it. So Sonic Highways definitely digestible. I think it's like what eight songs. Yep, eight songs. Yep. So that's my ten. I'm gonna leave. I'm not gonna get too in depth because mine's it's obviously a little higher for me. That one I think. Did you you didn't watch the HBO documentary that went along with that? No, I know the story, but I don't. I didn't watch it. Would probably change your mind a little bit, but I'll save it for when we get to it when I have it. Yep. All right, number nine, I had the new one, Medicine at Midnight. Now this is only because I haven't listened to it enough. I think this one's going to grow on me. My second listen, I liked more than my first listen. My third listen, I liked more than my second listen. Like it's, it's got some bangers on there that are going to be like slotted into the. Foo Fighter canon that I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm going to come back to that. It's cool. It had a couple of vibes on it. Obviously, it's the dancey kind of vibe. It's crazy that this has been done for just about a year, and they were getting ready to drop it last year right now before the world ended, and we're going to go out on their 25th anniversary tour and, you know, play this and get people going. And uh, I saw Dave on on uh, Fallon a couple of days ago, and that's that was he was like we there was a plan we were gonna go nuts we we're gonna have a party all summer and and you know celebrate us being 25 years old and play these dancey hooks and enjoy ourselves and all that ended so hopefully that happens this summer or, or this fall 
but yeah, this I think this album's going. You talk to me in six months, this album's probably higher. Interesting, interesting. Hmm. My number nine was Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. And uh, this was moved around quite a bit. So after some careful consideration, this made number nine. Like we were talking about earlier, doesn't mean it's a bad album. It's actually a, a fantastic album. But yeah, it hit, just hit nine, nine. I think this was another lull for me in terms of my fandom for Foo Fighters. I was kind of, I was used to them. I was going to the shows for the show and not necessarily the album cycle, but still a great album. And uh, I mean, it got, like I said, it got moved around a, a quite a bit. So to hit number nine, it was actually, it got moved up. And uh, I'll have to go into why later. But um, I think this album was a, was a sweet spot for them in a lot of ways, but it just didn't quite, you know, hit the mark to hit like the top five, let's say. So I uh, I also had Echoes at nine, and oh, well. it, it's interesting. Your recap was almost identical to mine, although I'm trying to think of like my trajectory with Foo Fighters. At this point in 07, I wasn't like going to listen to them on the day it came out. Like I feel like I maybe moved on a little bit, but like what was the album before this? In Your Honor was 05, and then yep. Echoes was seven. But it's a good album. I almost pin it similar to Sonic Highways where it's like, I'm probably going to pick different records to come back to. But if a band, if a new band put this album out, like it would be a great album. It's just they're handicapped totally. because of their excellence. And I mean, not to jump the punchline for when I have this record, but The Pretender is an all time Foo Fighters song. Oh, totally. All time. And great video too. Oh, great video. Yeah. Yep. I remember when that dropped. Cool. Yeah, it's funny um, you say that. It's funny you say that, Twan. Just because when I'm th- when I think about like what I was listening to in 07, I definitely wasn't this type of music heavy. You know what I mean? 07, this was like the start to my festival circuit. You know what I mean? In Bonnaroo and stuff. So there was a lot of indie stuff I was into. So it was like Foo Fighters was in the background, one of my favorite bands. But like, was I really like running to check their record out? Not really. I was kind of checking out what was coming out in 07 for new exciting music. So that's I mean that's the perk of being a nerd you know fringe benefit is like you get like this stuff that's always good but you've got this new stuff coming out but you're always a fan of that so great album and i like you said you couldn't have worded it better like they're they're handicapped by their excellence which is fantastic it's a great way to put it all right number number eight want to move on to number eight can i start this one yeah do it so tone you said literally verbatim what i was going to say for medicine at midnight Mm -hmm. it's uh it's it was it was an album that I skimmed last Friday when it came out and I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna dig this. And then I listened to it in headphones and I'm like, ooh, okay. There it, I, I get it. And then I think I listened to it one other time and I really liked it. I think this has big potential to move up because there's not a lot of filler, right? How many songs are on this? Nine, ten? Nine, yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's super digestible. I don't know if there's any all-time Foo songs on this, but like "Shame Shame" grew on me big time when when me I heard too, it. Man. Yeah, when I heard yeah. it live, w- w- didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. Yeah, nope. and now it has that like I can hear some Led Zeppelin in the chorus a little bit. Do you guys hear that at totally. all, or is that just me? Yep. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, actually, not the chorus. The bridge. I think it's in the bridge. Yes. I, yeah. Now I, no, you definitely definitely not the chorus. It, it's in the bridge. But yeah. This 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 could be a grower, not a shower. You know what I mean? I, I completely agree with you. And it's there. There was shame, shame when they were on SNL. I was super excited to like hear that. I stayed up late, watched the whole thing, and I was like, oh man, I'm 
I'm bummed. Like, is this not going to be good? Like, are we, are we putting another Foos record out that I'm like, okay, it's okay. I like it, but I don't love it. No, I think this one's going to end up growing. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if this one ends up like six or five for me down the road. And fan reception has been very positive from what I saw online. It's funny. All this conversation is so funny because mine is, is lower in the list for sure. So I'm not going to say what it is yet because uh, my number eight was Sonic Highways. And Tone, you, you've been telling me to check this out album out more recently so I, I did actually check it out in mainly preparation for this episode but um ironically enough i had hbo but i never checked out that documentary and this might have been moved up if i had checked that out because i'm obviously when i'm fully immersed in the story of how things you how these things go down I, uh it kind of changes their trajectory for me so i should probably check that out and this might move up from eight to four or something like that but for now it's eight and it's another one of those things where it's like I got used to them. I was uh, getting a little greedy, you know, like this was just additional to everything else that was coming out. That was amazing. I'm trying to think what, uh, what year was this album? This came out in 2014. 2014. Okay. So I was in Cali at that point. So yeah, I'm just getting bombarded with so much amazing music, a lot of live music. It went crazy when I moved out here. So literally it was just ancillary to everything else. I'm like, nice, more Foo Fighters. Great. And it became one of those things where it's like, nice, a reason to see them live. You know, it's like really just comes down to that. Like, I'll check out the album. Yeah, I'll check it out. Um, am I going to play it every day or, you know, habitually? Probably not. And mainly because they've been around so for so long. And that kind of goes to my comment earlier about Pearl Jam. It's like they put out new music and I'm so stoked that they keep going. But am I really uh, listening to that album on repeat? Not necessarily, you know. Yeah. Nate, this is the Foo Fighters episode. We'll do Pearl Jam another time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Eddie, for listening, though. Appreciate yeah, it. Eddie, Eddie listened to us in Hawaii, right? <laughs> we, yeah, had a, we, had a Hawaii we had a Hawaii listener that popped off either yesterday or the day before, and we think it's Eddie. It's got to be Eddie better. So, Eddie, thank you for listening. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but on a, on a high note, like, the whole story from what I've read on Sonic Highways is super cool, you know, because I've moved a lot around the country, and I know that there is different sounds coming out of different parts of the country, and that shapes the food, that shapes the music, that shapes the vibe. So I appreciate that. And that's another reason why we are doing this episode is because Dave Grohl is truly a nerd. And is he one of the only people that I can think of that's bringing that to the music level and putting out albums that showcase that alone. And that's what this album is, is, hey, these songs were constructed in different states where different sounds come out of New Orleans than they do in West Hollywood compared to Detroit and stuff like that. So I think that's super cool. And the fact that he did it. And I mean, if he keeps that cadence, he can just make, different nerd albums with different um, kind of themes. And that's kind of what he's done, you know? So um, it hits eight, but it's not because it's a bad album. It's just where it stacks up. Yeah, I agree. I'll, uh, I'll save my thoughts for, I have it higher. So uh, number eight for me was, was in your honor, which has another all time food song, best of you, which is just a great, great Foo Fighters song, but it's, it's a double album. It's a little fillery at times. uh, And there's some spots that I'm just not bored, but like, I wish it had a little more. I wish it was a little more tight for me to have this ranked higher. But I mean, DOA is a great song. Um, Cold Day in the Sun, where, T- where Taylor is the singer, I think uh, is pretty cool in the back half. Um, it led to them doing that tour, I think, right? Where they, they played a lot of acoustically, acoustic songs, Skin and Bones, Skin and Bones I think was yeah. the, yep. yeah, which is an awesome, awesome, awesome record, live record. Go listen to that. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you pay attention, last week it was on our, uh, that was the last song on our playlist and I, it was the hint for what this episode was about. So that it's, it's a good record. 
it has enough filler for me to have it down this far on the list. I have it higher. I'll, I'll save my thoughts. Nice. All right. Number seven, then. Who's up for number seven? Nate, you want to lead off? Perfect. Because my number seven is in your honor. Oh, hey. Yep. And this moved around quite a bit, too. And this was way higher, actually, at one point um, before I switched it to number seven. Um, and I understand where you're coming from. It is a long album. It's a double album, half acoustic, half rock, which I'm a Gemini, so I can appreciate that it's, you know, kind of dual personality in that sense. But um, I'm a huge, huge advocate for acoustic music. You know, like I think I've talked about Alice in Chains, their Unplugged album on here. So it's like to hear those music stripped down like that and to make a full album from it. I mean, just another reason, another nerd piece of Dave Grohl where he just had a, an idea and he's like, you know what? I'm going to make half an acoustic album and half a like a pretty heavy rock record and and combine it and have it be a, con, a conducive piece of work, which, I mean, I feel like only he does that. I mean, it's an idea that I feel like many people probably have, but he actually executes on it. And um, I do think it's really good um, straight through all the first half of this album. Disc one is fantastic. And the second half Maybe the only reason it's not like a listen through is because you it's like literally two different personalities. So it's like if you're having a drive on a Sunday in the desert or something, like I'll probably spin the acoustic version and the rock one, I'll probably play it on the way to a Foo Fighters show or something, you know? So that's probably the only reason why it maybe shouldn't be two records, but that's actually why it is one record because it's supposed to be that, you know, two sides of Dave Grohl. The guy's a metal guy, he's a rock guy, he's a, you know, soft rock guy. So I think this is similar to Sonic Highways where it's like, hey, I have this idea and I'm just going to do it and I don't really care and feel like it. Great. If they don't, you know, I did it. And that's just like true nerdery. I think just I think I think it's so cool. We're doing this on Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters because he is a, is a real nerd. So seven, I had uh, Concrete and Gold. So this was the one that I hadn't heard actually until we said we're going to do this segment. And the interesting thing is I love the production on it. Because to me, it feels like it was recorded in a garage, and I did some digging, and uh, there's actually another a different album that's recorded in a garage, which <laughs> yep. I couldn't, I would never have thought that. So just, I, it's just it was interesting to me. But the sonically, it has that. Um, it doesn't sound like the Black Keys, but it has that production of like the Black Keys. I feel like totally. And I feel like it's that a little was, bluesy, right? Yeah, it's got a little bit of blues tinge. And, and I just, I, I love the sound of it. And again, no sure shot singles that stood out, which I think helps it. Like it, it, it's a cohesive unit of songs, which I liked more than Echoes, Son, uh, Sonic Highways, and then for now, I liked more than Medicine. Number six, or not number seven, right? My number seven. Yeah, your number seven. Yep. My number seven is Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. So similar to Nate, I think you said when this came out, it was not as not on your radar as much because you were kind of doing the festival folky uh, type thing. For me, I was listening to them. I was listening to them uh, and a few other bands, but they were kind of at the forefront for me. So I spent a lot of time with the first half of this record in my car. Uh, you know, I'd get in the car, start on the, pre- the Pretender, and go. And that was... Wherever I ended up was where the, the album ended for the day. And then sometimes I listen to the back half depending on where I had to go after. So not a lot of long drives. It was just to and from college and to and from my job. I really liked uh, The Pretender, I think, is is a top three or top four Foo Fighters song. It's just an amazing, amazing Foo Fighters song. Let It Die is great. Come Alive is great. Those are those are really good Foo Fighters songs that kind of round it out. There, there's some filler on this one, too, that I don't love. 
but that's why I have them where they where they are with this record. And all those songs are first half songs, so that makes sense. You probably that's why. you yeah. wore it out. Even those filler songs, though, like if you heard them at a concert, you'd be like, "Sweet deep cut." You know? No, I mean? totally. Yeah, because it's still like a solid song. So that's why it's like what you were saying earlier at the entry of this episode. It's like, well, they don't really make bad music. You know? No. This this isn't really a go to bath go to the bathroom song. If anything, like a take a pee song at a concert is like maybe a single you've heard too many times, not necessarily a deep cut. So, especially if you've seen it live already, right? Mm-hmm. Have you seen them, Tone? Yeah, Nate and I saw them. I've seen them once. Nate, you've probably seen them more than once, right? A ton. I actually yeah. made some notes to talk about the, at the end of the segment because nice, every yeah. show I've seen from them has been amazing. Yeah, we can we can hit that at the end. That yeah, we yeah. I've seen them. I've never seen them. I um. Because they came to Portland with the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers in 99. I missed that. Yeah, forever ago. I yeah. missed that, too. And then they were in Lewiston, I think, in, what, 97? No, it was a state theater. It was a state theater in 97? 97. Wow. Yeah. Damn, state all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that at the end. Actually, you know what we should yeah. do? We should, like, in the middle, after we get through our top six, or the, our bottom six, do all the odds and ends, and then do our top five. That good, that's a good call. Yeah. All right. We have to – are we all on seven, or are we – up to six. Going to six. Right. Six, who yeah. To, who wants to go first? I'll start us off. I had uh, In Your Honor. So this is, um, I get the reasons that I think Tone, uh, you already had them, right, Tone? Yep. Yeah, so I totally get it. Um, what carries this is best of you. Like that, to me, that one song makes this album better than Sonic Echoes Medicine Concrete. I, I love that song. DOA is great. Collectively, though, it does have some misses, and it does drag on with the acoustic stuff. And I actually, I never owned it, but was it two CDs or just? Yeah, it was, two. It was a double album. Yeah, so I, I never really got into the acoustic stuff. But for the rock side, the singles carry it enough where it's yep. it's solid. Number six for me. And I would say the acoustic, I never listened to that one a, m- a bunch either, but it led to that awesome live show and that awesome live record so i'm okay with it absolutely plus you like you said like the live album where it's an acoustic tour uh rob guest on here what number tone 17 rob 17 uh we were contemplating going to that acoustic tour in boston at the wang theater the wang theater yeah yep yeah and we didn't go to it ever since i was like i dude me too we i think i think we were all talking about it at the same time because i wanted to go to that show so bad you know, I think part of me was thinking that was going to be like a recurring thing, but no, obviously it was for the tour cycle. Didn't Frank Black of the Pixies open for them? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Damn. Why the fuck didn't we go to that show? <laughs> I know. I love the Pixies too. But they did tour on that album beyond that acoustic tour because I saw them or yeah, saw them open for, what was it? Or no, never mind. It was the Rockin' Tours open for Bob Dylan, but other Bob Dylan dates, it was the Foo Fighters opening for Bob Dylan with their acoustic set. So they kind of toured that acoustic almost as a separate leg, which is kind of neat. All right. I'll give my number six. I might regret this, but it's self-titled. It's the first record. I really, I really like, I, I liked it a lot more than I remembered liking it, listening through for this. And there was more on there that I didn't even realize that I liked until we listened through to this again, you know? So um, obviously the big songs, this is a call. I'll stick around big me for all the cows. Those were the big ones. I really liked uh, 
I really liked Good Grief listening through again. I was kind of surprised at how much I liked that one and a few others that towards the back half of the record. Um, but I, I banged this out today during a during a workout and I was like, yeah. And it's that's one that sounds like he was made in a garage. And this was one that Dave did by himself uh, under the name of the Foo Fighters to kind of disguise that he was who he was. So people didn't, you know, take it at they took it at face value and didn't take it for the drummer of Nirvana put a record out. So uh, if you've checked out the documentary back and forth he goes into the in depth on that so really really good uh, uh, but the top five for me were better so that's how this ended up six and he produced he produced it too like he yeah, yeah it's crazy i i that, that that's new new news to me i didn't realize that back when i was nine years old when it dropped yeah right for we were fully nerds we were like <laughs> Almost, we're kind of nerds. On the 4th of July, no less. A Tuesday in July in 95. So I have that much higher, and I'll leave it at that. I could see that. Knowing you, I could see that. Well, mine was actually the same. Number six, Foo Fighters, self-titled album, debut album. And this moved around a lot. And when I was writing it down, when I was going through this like crazy manic changing the direction of each album, uh, where it states or whatever, I can't recall but i want to say that we had talked about this on the pod where i put this at a higher rank it might have i don't know what it was i but think it was a three album run conversation and you put this yeah in there. yep yep that was it yeah i was trying to recall what it was but uh yep but it did land at six and um i mean it's the foundation for the band it's the first album or sorry dave because it was a dave essentially a solo album at first and re-listening to it today was amazing because it it was another one of those like time travel things where it's like my brother had it you know so long ago that I didn't really understand what was going on didn't understand music appreciation like I do now of course so I wanted to rank it lower but I mean they just have so much stuff that like it couldn't but it definitely brought me back and it definitely showcases you know his foundation with the Beatles there's a lot of Beatles-esque stuff in there I think I said it earlier on the last episode where Weezer Pinkerton, like the butterfly song is a dashboard song. I feel like this is a call. No, sorry. Big me is a Weezer song. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I, mean? I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a fantastic album because like you have big me, which is a very like poppy Beatles Weezer song. But then the other, there's other songs on this album that are straight up super heavy, you know? So I almost feel like this is appropriate as a debut album because it kind of like shows that like this guy's going to go in so many different directions throughout his career and he definitely has so it's number six but uh i wanted to rank it you know lower but uh it's fantastic and it really just brought me back to those early days like i don't know what this is this is pretty cool what's this album cover there's like some weird like retro space gun on there like (laughs) gun yeah yeah so yeah we're halfway through we're gonna take a uh intermission and uh, let's reminisce about some shows. So I've never seen them, which uh, I, I regret. I've had a, a few opportunities to see them. It just never happened. But I feel like they're a band that will continue once this whole world gets back to normal. They'll be back out there, and I'll probably make it a point to see them. I got to ask, what, what was the reason for not going to those shows? Um, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I think, obviously, yeah. like the 99 uh, Civic Center show, I was probably just too young. Yep. And then probably didn't know about like that that acoustic one I didn't know about. But again, everything's a show regret in twenty twenty one. Everything. <laughs> True. I saw him once with Nate and my brother. 
in Boston in twenty November of 2011, I believe, on tour for Wasting Light, which we haven't gotten to yet because we all like Neither it. Apparently. One of us, it's in yeah. our top fives. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, that was Nate coming back from doing Harvest. I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but Nate coming back from doing Harvest out west in Cal- Northern California for a wine. You were working for a winery, right, Nate? Yeah, in Sonoma County. Yeah, like you said, Harvest is once a year. So grape harvest, the grapes are ripe. So you, you know, you pick or you have people pick them for you and then you crush the grapes and you, yeah, you make wine and yep. uh, happens once a year. So I went out there to do that part of my like wine and spirits journey and came back and flew into Boston. Flew into right? Boston. And everybody, everybody that I was, I had driven down to the show went in my, my, our buddy Rob, the episode 17 guest, my brother, a few other friends that had come down to my car, but we made room in the car for Nate to come home with us. And uh, I met Nate in the parking garage next to the, the garden TD, the fleet center, I think at the time, but the TD bank garden in Boston and Nate took a cab or the T or whatever to North station, met me in the garage and we cranked a couple of California beers in my car before the show. Nice. That was pretty sweet. It was awesome. That was like a, that was very much a, I don't want to say rock star moment, but I remember thinking like, I didn't have a ticket to the show. I was traveling. So like going straight to a show is just not priority you know, even at that age. Um, and I had my girlfriend at the time, like waiting for me in Maine, you know, <laughs> like coming back from harvest being gone. And uh, Rob actually was at that show too. And I think he got the record rep to put me on the guest list. So it was kind of like inevitable. Yeah, I don't at that know point. how you like, got in, man. I, I just had tickets because they were a birthday present. I think they, he was able to secure one, one ticket. So kind of last minute came together. Like I'm flying into Boston, about to hit a jump on a bus to get back to Maine. No, 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 you, you're on the guest list now. Just go straight to the TD Garden. I was like, shit, I have my luggage with me. Like, <laughs> damn. Um, like you said, Tony, I brought some my beers. Car. Yeah, yeah bought some, brought some beers from California, did a little quick pregame, uh, rolled in. I think the show started, one of those weird things where I rolled in and the show started almost immediately. Incredible show. And it was actually the, it was the cl- uh, tour closer. That was the last day of the tour. Was it? Yeah. That show, that show was badass. And, I mean, the only problem was I had to drive. So I had like two beers in the car with you before and maybe one at the show over the course of three hours and went and drove us home. But it was a blast. And uh, three hours, Dave's a madman running all over the place, just playing badass songs and they're rocking out. It was a good time. Any opener for that one? I don't know. I can't remember. Honestly, I, there probably was. Uh, I think I was in the car. I think I was in the parking garage with Nate. <laughs> yeah. I know. Who was the opener? I think we missed it because I think we literally walked in. Yeah. As the Foo Fighters came on stage, it was probably someone big, but um, yeah, man, that was uh, that was actually one of the ones I wrote down uh, with a bunch of others. But you kind of told that story. Other ones, uh, I think I talked about it on here. Dave Grohl's birthday party at the Forum in L.A. Uh, episode eight, tic- if you want, go go listen to episode eight. <laughs> yep, episode number eight. Won those tickets. Tried to get them. Wasn't able to secure them. Went to some club show here in San Diego at the Casbah where Nate Mendel, the bassist for Foo Fighters, was launching his solo career called uh, Lieutenant and talked to him at the bar for a little bit and tried to get on the guest list for this show. <laughs> I don't think he read my note. <laughs> Ended up winning him on the radio station anyway and was one of the one of the best shows I've ever seen. So that was that. Other ones that I saw, so not to rub it into one, but I've seen them a ton. <laughs> Foo Fighters at Irving Plaza in New York City was a club show. Damn, that's tiny, yeah. Also sold out. And you have receipts for that one because there's a picture of you and Dave that I've seen, that we've seen. 
that's outside of the venue. So the whole yeah. band was having dinner at the restaurant attached to Irving Plaza and they were like at a window seat. So like me and a bunch of fans were like, Oh, that's the fucking Foo Fighters. <laughs> um, so I got a picture with Dave, Nate's hung out like, with Taylor for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Nate's like um, Sharpie one, Sharpie two, sign my stuff. <laughs> well, funny enough, I didn't have anything on me because I was just trying to get in the show. I didn't have anything with me. But as soon as I saw them at the restaurant, Irving Plaza is in Union Square in New York City. So there's a Virgin Megastore there, or there at least there was. So I ran to that store, grabbed Color in the Shape, and ran back. And by that time, they already went into the venue. I was like, Fuck. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So I was hoping to get something signed. Actually, I think I got Taylor to sign it. And that's it. You got a picture with You got a picture with Dave. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Beside the point, Toad. I wanted to get the Color in the Shape signed. <laughs> I have some killer sh- uh, photos from that show somewhere in my nerdery bins, but um, that was cool just to see them in such a small show. It was oversold, but they had production hold seats. So if you waited in line at Irving Plaza and you were patient enough, basically like when they realized that certain guests of the band aren't going to show up, they ended up releasing these production hold seats. And I was one of four people that got let in for like an oversold show, basically. That's awesome. um, so I was by myself. Amazing show. They were at the top of their game in that tour. I think that was actually promoting Echo, Silence, Patience, and Grace 07. Yeah, I was yep. in New York. That makes sense. Yep. Uh, um, the other, uh, instead of jumping into more live stuff, let's. Uh, the one thing yeah. I wanted to call to arms here was their music videos are fucking awesome. Oh, totally. Do you like Big Me? Do you like the yeah. Big Me? Really? I think I watched it the other night, and I was like, that was kind of part of the reason I was like, let's do the foos. Like I, that video was, I mean, it's, it's stupid. It's, it's funny. It's a Mentos commercial. It's a Mentos but, commercial, yeah. But that's kind of how it started, right? Like that one. Yeah. And then um, the one with Tenacious D, uh, Learning to Fly. Fucking amazing. Yep. Yep. It's such a great oh video. Uh, and yeah, and even Everlong where like, they just like Taylor or Dave or both will dress as women. Like it's just funny. Say, like, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he have like braces in that? Yes. Yeah. And in, in the learning to fly video, he has braces. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he, he's himself too. They're all themselves, but they're all dressed as other people. And obviously Tenacious D they have a relation. Dave has a relationship with the guys from Tenacious D and uh, you know, it, it's a, <laughs> they just make great music videos, whether or not they're, whether they're straight rock and roll, like the pretender where there's riot gear and all that stuff, or they're doing a parody where they're, you know, pretending to be pilots and flying a plane. It, it's great. It's very interesting. Cause like, I I think we all got got into them in the moment in 95 and Dave had just he'd obviously come out, come off of Nirvana but it was interesting because the I'll stick around video was kind of gritty and like a little dark so you go from Nirvana to that which you know you look at the uh, smells like teen teen spirit video it's kind of almost the same vibe ish but then they go from I'll stick around to uh the big me video so you're like yep what's going on and like those songs sound like they're from different bands yeah it's interesting totally. and big me is a weezer song you're right or maybe it's maybe that's <laughs> right. where weezer got their their pinkerton vibes <laughs> <laughs> and that was another show that i wrote down was the Foo fighters and weezer joint headline show with the hot hot eat opening in connecticut mm-hmm. another one of those where i like walked in at the moment and then Foo fighters cal jam festival appearance twice in a row but all of these like hit like my top favorite shows of all time. So not only do they make am- amazing music, their live shows are freaking sweet. All right, we gotta get into, we get into the top five. Let's do it. All right, top five. Why don't I start it? Because I'm talking right now. I'm gonna go uh, one by one. So I I feel like I was I was gonna be in the minority minority out of the three of us to have them this that this album this high. 
but it came out in 02 and that's when I was like really really into them so I got into them in the moment and I re-listened to this album today and I had an epiphany so I've talked about Crime and Stereo on this podcast a million times whenever I've listened to their Is Dead album there's two songs that remind me of the Foo Fighters and I could never remember why well the song Low which I think is the second song off this album I wish I knew the name of the Crime and Stereo song but there's We'll put it on the playlist. They sound the instrumentals sound exactly the same. It's crazy. So like I can see why I was kind of drawn to this. But yeah, cohesive album. Loved it in the moment. I love the simplicity of the visuals of it with the black and white. Like it just it hits a spot for me. Number five, one by one. I'm gonna agree, I'm gonna agree with you, uh, Tuan. I had number five, one by one. Moved around quite a bit as well, um, but hit number five for me. And uh, all the things you just said, I, I agree. Simplicity was huge into them. I mean, we were pretty much graduating high school at that point. So it was like, you know, access to a car, debit card, you know, graduating high school and then new, new Foo Fighters album, which was fantastic. And uh, I feel like they, they were kind of like in their element at the time, even though like they kind of differ on, on that opinion. But I mean, this album is a front to back album, I think, you know? So yeah, it was, it was good. It was kind of like a good time to be a fan of the band and they, still seems somewhat underrated at the time. So I'm going to do my number five and then jump right into my number four, just because it will fit. And you guys will see why in just a second. My number five is Sonic Highways. Um, I think if you watch the HBO documentary, you'd like it. You'd like it more. It might move up your list a little bit. I also like that they worked with Zach Brown on Congregation, I believe, in Nashville. And there's a four song Zach Brown EP where Dave Grohl, is heavily involved and has an awesome Zach Brown EP. And I think it may have led to a really cool Zach Brown song with Chris Cornell, Heavy is the Head. So yeah, there's some cool ideas there that happened because I think of this this uh, this record on top of the fact that the documentary is great. And if you can get one of your favorite bands to go to a different city, explain the song for 40 minutes and then play the song, have a video or whatever, that's that's really cool. And I, w- I ate that right up in, in 2014 when that came out. My number four is also one by one. So right there, yeah. we all, yeah, we all love this record, right? It's a great record there. They don't love it. And I think the fans do. And I think that it's very, the dichotomy there is a little interesting that they've like went to uh, move to Virginia uh, where Dave's from uh, and uh, put this album together and, and ended up not really liking it. But one by one was huge. That's another all time. Uh, all my life, excuse me, is huge. It's another all time yep. Foo Fighters song. The Closer, Come Back, is one of the best closing songs on any Foo Fighters record and a, just a great closing rock song, period. Go listen to that one. It'll be on the playlist, I'm sure. Uh, just a just a cool record. I think they did a and Times Like These is a massive song. Uh, they, they, they had that. They were doing their thing here. Even if they didn't like it in the moment, it's a great record. So a uh, little fun factoid, which uh, I'm real-time learning, is... Um... Uh, Ray Pettibon, he, he he's the one that's responsible for like the Black Flag logo. He mm-hmm. did the cover art for One by One. Hmm. Wow! So it's like that mm-hmm. simple, just grabs you. You're like, all right, what's going on there? Type of thing. It's interesting. I just learned that. I did not know that. Me either. All right, who wants to give their four? You go, Nate. Hot take number four: Medicine at Midnight. Wow! Oh boy! Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. you hadn't put this slotted this one in yet. Yeah, and uh, you know, it just came out. And uh, I was on a little mini road trip, as I do on the weekends, to kind of get away from the city and uh, enjoy the nature out here in California. And uh, I think it's the best way to listen to a new album. So I was like, it's almost like this perfect storm, like nice new album on the road, got some time, got the you know landscape to kind of 
help the album tell the story in a sense, in a nerd way, I guess you'd say. But it was a first listen for me. And I think part of the reason was it seemed like I was listening to a, a concert. So I kind of talked about this on the last episode where like, you know, what makes me happy on a Friday afternoon is listening to live bootlegs, you know, or any day of the week. And this album, the first time I heard it, I played it and it just, I played it super loud in the car while I was driving. And I felt like I was at a Foo Fighters concert with brand new material that I'd never heard. And uh, I didn't skip any songs. And the whole time I was like, I rarely say this, but like I would actually pay to see this album played in full because it just seemed very, it seemed like it went very, uh, you know, streamlined, um, conducive. So yeah, and it hit, it hit number four, which was uh, crazy because I moved this around quite a bit, but number four is huge because I never thought that anyone could put out an album this late in their career and, and be high ranked like that. But uh, yeah, I enjoy it a lot. I like this album a lot. I listened to it again today and uh, I stand by it. It's interesting. I kind of did the same thing. Like I had it at one point as high as six, maybe, but then I was wow. like, "Am I, am I out kicking this now because it's new?" You know what I mean. So I slotted it at at eight. But again, potential to move up. I could totally see this being six or five for me down the road for sure. It's like the whole Deftones thing. Like, where do you yeah. stick ohms? You know. Yep. You got to digest it. Uh, so four, I had. This is interesting because this is an album that I just heard for the first time in prep for this uh, episode, yeah, Wasting Light. So um, nice. first, I, I, I've listened to it twice now. So uh, things that jumped out. It's definitely an intentional and like dialed-in album. It's uh, more rock and upbeat than some of the other records. And this is the album that I was hinting at earlier that I guess it was recorded in uh, Grohl's Garage. Yep, with Butch Vig. Butch Vig, yeah, I saw that too. It's just crazy. And this was the return of Pat Smear, I yep. guess. He uh, was out of the picture for a little bit. Standout song is uh, White Limo. That's White Limo's totally. awesome. Easily yeah. a top 10. And uh, it, it's crazy, like, when you hear, like, I, I must have listened to 100 Foo Fighters songs in the last week. But this is one where I was like, I want to hear that one again. You know what? S- screw uh, Sonic Highways. I'm going to come back to this one. So yeah, Wasting Light came out in 2011, number four. I have that higher. I'm gonna wait. Same, oh, same oh, much higher. Yeah. Uh, well, we're running out of spaces. We're, I think we're up to three, right? Because I did my four, you guys did your four, so I'll do my three. There's nothing left to lose. Uh, great Foo Fighters record. Uh, not, it's mellow in spots. It's it's heavy in spots. It's front to back for me. There's a you know, just great grouping of songs here. Uh, it's Stacked Actors to start, which is a cool song. Breakout Amazing was song. a yeah. Breakout was on a uh, breakout was on a movie. I can't remember the name of the movie. Was it um, uh, was it Orange County? Was it on Orange County? It was on one of those movies around it that time. It sounds familiar. Right? Yeah. Learn to Fly obviously is an all-time Foo Fighters song. Next year was another uh, a, t- a, sh- a was a song that was on a TV show. I think it was Ed on uh on NBC back in the day. And I remember wow. this popping up randomly and I was talking to my wife and I'm like, yeah, that, that was the theme to the show Ed that I used to watch here and there. She's like, who are you? And why do you know this random shit? <laughs> but sure enough, it was. So yeah, this is just a great record. Uh, I really, really enjoy it. And it's my number three. Unbelievable. Is it also your to, three? It's also my number three. 1999, I'm a big advocate for 90s OGs. I was huge into this band at the time. I think we kind of reminisced about it earlier. I missed them on that Chili Peppers tour in Maine, co-headlining at the Civic Center and also the State Theater Show leading up to this. 
So I was huge into them and missed both tours and both were sold out. So I mean, like, you know, I guess I wasn't as aggressive back then, but um, yeah, man, this album's amazing. Stacked Adapters might be like my favorite Foo Fighters songs in general. Learn to Fly, Breakout, even like the deep cuts. I love Aurora. Aurora's great. Um, yep. MIA is amazing. Generator's amazing. Like some, or I guess Generator was a single, but but yeah, I remember this album. I think I think we talked about it on here. Leechmere. I bought this at Leechmere, and it came with like a a tattoo, like one of those fake tattoos that you put on your. So I did it on my neck, just like the album cover. <laughs> yes. But yeah, man, like talk talk about like quintessential 1999 album, like turn of the century, and uh, you know understood what was going on in rock music at the time was fully, you know, ingested or fully committed to what was going on at the time and uh, just bummed I, I didn't see the tours to promote this. But uh, yeah, it's number three for me. Huge fan. I was literally like at the top of my game in terms of fandom. So I was so bummed I didn't see the shows, but this album is so good. So you guys ready for this? I also had this album at three. Wow. Whoa. Another album I was big into in the moment. And that, that helps so much because like, yeah, if I... Who knows if I was, uh, you know, seeking them out for concrete and gold, maybe that would be even higher, you know, but yeah, the singles carry it. I mean, learn to fly breakout. Those are two top 10, I think, uh, foos songs, the artwork simple. It's like, you know, how did that end up being the, we always talk about the how and the why, like, how did that end up, you know, whose, whose neck is that? You know what I mean? It's just so many questions, but the album's undeniable. Yeah, I mean, every record that I've mentioned up to this point, I think there's a big gap, a huge gap mm-hmm. between this and even Wasting Light. So nothing. Le- there's nothing left to lose, number three. Nate, what's your number two? I have an idea. Ooh. Yeah? It's probably my number two, too. Number two, Wasting Light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And almost got number one. But yeah, Did number really? two, Wasting Wow. It came so close, man. I, I didn't cross it out, but I was like, this should get number one, but... No, number two, wasting light. So many, so much positive connotation to this album and this release. Oh, 2011, right? Yep. Yep. 11. So I was like prepping to move to Cali. I mean, it was a little premature, but I knew I was going to get out there at some point at this time for sure. Basically, because of that wine harvest that I had done and that tour in Boston that you were talking about, Tone. That was for this album, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that was that touring cycle. So that all makes sense. Yeah, huge into the band. I just love this album. The single. What's the first single off the album? Can't remember. But regardless, it's a full-on rock album. It was Rope. Was Rope the first single? It was, it was Rope, I think. But regardless, this album just hits all cylinders. Like for me, like every song's good. It plays well. It's loud. It's like somewhat late in their career, so you're almost surprised that they're able to put out an album this this solid this far in their career. And then you see them live on the tour, and they're just as energetic. And it's like it was almost like a. It almost lifted you up. It was like a day. It was almost like a uh, Tom Brady moment. You're like, this guy's still doing it. Holy crap. <laughs> you know, like Dave Grohl is the fucking man. Um, yeah. So it hits number two and it really, it's, I'm looking at it right now. It's like, I might move it to number one, but I think I'm going to keep it at number two. Yeah. It's, it's hard to dethrone what we both have at one, I think, but I also have this as number two. And did you, Nate, I, I know you watched it because we watched it together, the, the back and forth, the documentary around this record. The making oh, of yeah. It, yep. And kind of a history up till that point of the band and then the making of this record. The first half, I think, is like Dave's history and then the band coming together and how this all happened. And this album b- being made in the garage at his his house with Butch Vig and Bob Mould coming in from Husker Du and uh, Chris Novoselic coming in for a song. Like they, they really went all out. It was a just a 
badass record. There's there's not a bad song on it. And um, this was the the record. I think Walk was a single, right? Like halfway through. Yep. And uh, I remember telling you, Nate, that I know you want Eddie to be the new Bruce Springsteen, but it's Dave Grohl. I'm sorry, and I still stand by that. Eddie is not the News Eddie's flash. like the uh, Eddie's the Neil Young to 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 Dave's Bruce Springsteen. Sorry, bud. I think I can I can agree with you. Finally, it's it's <laughs> finally, like he's, it's the, he's like years. the he's like the Bruce Springsteen slash Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right, Tuan, what's your two? Uh, guess self-titled. It's self-titled, and uh, it, it's kind of crazy. I actually had this when I was prepping for this episode. I had this as as low or high, however you want to look at it, uh, at number five at one point, and then I re-listened to it, and I was like, okay. So I was kind of transported back to you know being. 10 11 whatever it was and you know all the all stick around video it's like probably one of at that age one of like the heavier songs that you've you know kind of been introduced to and it just kind of brought me back but this has a deep cut top five foos song for me any guesses mm. no could be top three give it to top us three then. weenie beanie weenie beanie oh nice i yep. mean wow. that's it's almost like an 80s punk song you know what i mean it's it's yep he leans into that big time. I mean, it could have been a Nirvana B-side, you know what I mean? It's just a cool song that I appreciate more now than back in the day. But again, it's one that I own the record when it came out or the CD. And uh, who knows? Ask me tomorrow. This could be a four. So in, in listening to you talk about, I know that's kind of your come up with music is liking that punkier, heavier kind of music that this kind of fits in. Right. Mm. And, he grew Dave Grohl grew up in the DC area where that was kind of a thing. And mm. if you if you watch Sonic Highways and you see when they make Feast of the Famine, that comes from that time and that place. You think it jumped for me? Yeah, I think it would make a little more sense to you because that's how that happened. But that's what this album is, right? It's him garagey, punky, yeah. fast and loud. I'm a, I'm a drummer, but I'm gonna blow you away with everything else too because i can like i'll 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 just rip your i'll melt your face off right here let's go the other thing too is like i can't think of a better uh album artwork it's cool yeah Yeah, it's like i'd love to know the history of that like what is that you know it's old and it's new right it's like this old kind of picture of this like ray gun this like space laser yeah i think there's some relation with the name foo fighters is uh something uh it's a fighter jet right or something yeah, something like that. But UFO, he's big into UFOs at the time too. So there's that's why that ray gun thing is probably in there. But yeah, it's cool. It's like a antique antique toy or something on there, which is cool. Tuan, when you mentioned the uh, or was it you, Tone? The Nirvana B side was it you, Tuan? Yeah, I just did. Yeah, yeah. That was actually when I was re re listening to uh, this album today. That was one thing that came to mind. It's like, hmm, these songs could have been some of these songs could have been Nirvana songs, and I wonder like. Was he writing for the next Nirvana album and kind of just furthering my help him. claim that he might have been bigger into the Nirvana thing than people realize? Oh yeah, yeah, good point. Sorry, sorry Mike. Sorry, Mike from last week. I it's Dave. <laughs> I was gonna say yes. He 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 was more than just the drummer for Nevermind. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Clearly, look at all these albums. I mean, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, and it's not just Foo Fighters. All right, so let's just have a conversation about it. We all have it at number one, right? <laughs> yeah. The color and the exactly. shape, just an yep. all-time, all-time, uh, no, all-time. I had skin and bones. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Live albums were out, bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Skin color and bones, and shape. great record. 
Calling the shape, number one for all of us, it seems. Uh, not surprising. <sighs> Monkey Wrench, is there any? I mean, that song just fucking kicks ass. And when that, yeah. okay, Doll is a cool way to start a record, but when it jumps into that riff of Monkey Wrench, you're just like, I'm in for a ride and I, I'm excited about this. This is going to be a lot of fun. And it continues with uh, Hey Johnny Park. Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. relentless. Just riff after riff, right? I no, no pun intended, but I got another confession to make here. I oh you do, do you? I didn't know my hero was on on this album. I thought it was just a varsity blues varsity blues play, and then I realized it was on this album back when I was twelve or thirteen, whatever the hell it was. It almost doesn't fit. It, yeah, you're right. It it is a radio rock single, right? It's yeah. it, it's it's a soundtrack single for a football high school football movie. It yeah. it doesn't. It's like here, let's shove this in the middle of this record it also is amazing it's a great all time song. song yeah all time song <laughs> it's just so good and this is more a dave just doing dave like they he had a band at the time and most of them he re-recorded stuff because he was like i'm i'm better than <laughs> at this than you are so we ended up with this amazing record so uh if yeah it's it's just so good man um everlong there's there is not a better rock song than everlong ever alternative rock song than that so yeah it, man it's i can't say enough good things about this record there's no misses yeah this would be a great album to hear front to back you know even even the somewhat ballads february stars is so good Twan, when you said i got another confession to make i was like hmm, maybe we should edit that for the actual i got another confession yeah. to make <laughs> if only we had the rights yeah exactly gotta get dave on here um i feel like the sweet spot for this album is the fact that it was also 97 so i mean it, we talk about it on here a lot like we were getting into music like fully understanding music probably at ni- in 90, 1997 like in particular so it's like that perfect storm but it really is their best album i mean at least we all agree on that and it might have there's probably so many reasons as to why you know what mood were we were we in how old are, we're all kind of like the same age and everything um, down to the cover art, even the cover art's like simplistic, but it's got like that Foo Fighters font that they kind of sported for a long time. In fact, this is the album that I ran to Virgin Megastore to get signed by uh, the Foo Fighters at Irving Plaza. <laughs> but yeah, there's no skips on here at all. And then My Hero, I remember that music video. I remember my dad being like, I like this song. I like this. I like what this music video message is telling. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. Firefighter saving people. Pretty neat. It's on like TRL or whatever. And like you said, t- Tone Everlong, like that song is. I mean, it's just like you can't overplay that song, which is strange because some songs get old after a while, but that song's just so pure. And um, is yeah, this, this I is got the a question one. for you guys: Is yeah. ever is Everlong the best closing song that isn't a closing song? Because it should be the last song on the record, but it's not. Wait, do do you do I have Neuralink uh, implanted and you're <laughs> dialed in? Because you're thinking the I'm same on thing? the wiki and I'm thinking Everlong is not the last song. And it should and be, it should but, be. It, but it also, but honestly, Walking After You is a great, like, come down after that song, and New Way Home is a great closing song. It's it's yeah. an underrated, uh, overlooked Foo Fighters song, but that's a cool song. And, but Everlong is, like, of all songs that could have been a closing song on an album, how is Everlong not the closing song on this album? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, especially because every time I've seen them live, they've closed with Everlong, and it's a perfect closing song, yeah. It'll probably close out the playlist, Two weeks in a row, because <laughs> it did last wow. week. Too. It was the live version from uh, from Skin and Bones. This week will probably be the regular studio version. So I'm trying to think, like, if there was ever a statement album, it's this, because you get Grohl, who's in the biggest band on the planet, 
for Nevermind for Nirvana Nevermind. He comes back. Some people might think he's you know piggybacking on the fame of Nirvana. Drops self-titled, and you know I think we all thought it was great. Uh, you know, it's obviously I think it was number two, but maybe not for everyone. And then he comes back two years later and like has this basically a, a fuck you album. Like this is I'm good and I'm here to stay with color color and the shape. Totally. It's it's a, a record saying, yeah, the last album was good. And maybe I, you know, people knew about it because I was part of Nirvana. But I'm also really fucking talented. And here, you know, here it is for all the world to see. This album's badass. And you guys can't take that away from me now. Six years after whatever. So that that makes complete sense. Yeah, that must be really interesting in his shoes. Like. He's got nothing to prove being in Nirvana, but he's got a lot to prove because he's, I don't know, the drummer of Nirvana, which you think would be big enough. But I mean, this band's 25 years old and it's one of the biggest bands in the world. Like, holy shit, you know, unbelievable. So, Tone, you made a comment early on, maybe it was even before we started, that there's no bigger um, rock band, right, in the world. And I, right now, yeah. I, I, I think not only is there no one bigger, but I think there's, there's probably no one better. I mean, that. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's going to top them. I mean, who, who's right now, even, I think who's even in the running? Kings of Leon, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they've got an album coming out in a couple of weeks that we're excited about. But yeah, I, like I don't think they're on. Ba- yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they're not on this level as far as like old school rock, going to give you riffs, going to give you, you know, drums, guitars, bass, all that stuff. Rock vocals, like they're it. In a dying, a dying uh, genre, as dying as it is, we still love it. <laughs> We're still down for it, and a lot of people still are. And th- these guys are still still doing it at a pretty high level, if you if you think about it. Yeah, I was just jogging my memory on who's going still. Like, and the ones that come to mind are like way like Legacy X, like U two and the Rolling Stones. You know, yep. like holy shit! So Foo Fighters are in that caliber. I mean, that's impressive, man. Being a drummer from a band to make a band that's at least equal value of Nirvana. Like, what? You really hit lightning twice. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wrote a nerd. Uh, I wrote a few notes here that Dave Grohl is a certified nerd uh, for the Patio Slave podcast because he's not only amazing, making amazing music, but all the things we covered today on today's podcast, which is like he's doing it for himself. He's doing it for nerdery reasons, like making a documentary, making a half acoustic album, half rock album, making an album in his garage in California. Like, I mean, that's a real, <laughs> just like such a nerd stance, you know. So certified nerd officially as of today. And he's so well connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you guys like the name? Is it a uh, band vantage or a bandy cap? It started Ooh, off as a bandy cap. It ended up being a band vantage. See, I, I totally agree. I, I, I'm not going to say I don't, I don't like the name, but like Foo Fighters, like it works because they're good, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's all it is. If they were bad, then we'd be like, this name's stupid. <laughs> they're 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 not bad. It's so they're it's it's awesome. It's them. Yeah, usually the bandicap is what the connotation is. So fight is has a negative connotation. So immediately your brain thinks this is not good. But Foo Fighters have proven that false. So it's great. But yeah, there's so many band names that suck, and they're the biggest bands in the world. Even like like I said, U two earlier. Like that's kind of a that's not really a good name, you know. But huh, it works. It, for some reason, actually now more than it ever fits just down to the logo. But you know what? You you two, if they spelled it out like Y O U T W E T W O, it'd be terrible. What's that? Yeah. Or T O O. 
Or you yeah, too? Yeah, you too. You too. <laughs> It'd be terrible. Yeah, no, that wouldn't work. But you too. It, it does when it's just the the uh, not phonetic, but the uh, alphanumeric or numeric alpha, right? Is that what they were thinking of Apple? Yeah, it's on your phone. You too. It's on <laughs> yeah. yours too. It's on yours too. Yeah, half the yours world too. got this random album that nobody wanted. How do we end it up here, guys? The tangent episode. <laughs> How to dismantle an atomic? Bomb. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, that's our Foo Fighters episode uh, ranking the legacy bands top or their ten records, putting them in their uh, place. We'll uh, we'll see you guys next week, right? Back at it, baby. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, one thing for Dave Grohl in nerdery, we trust. <laughs> dot dot dot. Dave Grohl. Nerdery <laughs> runs deep. Did he say that? No, but I wrote all those quotes earlier in the text. Oh, I thought he, I thought I thought he said that. That would be even better. Can we get him to say that? Just keep tweeting at them. I'll just keep tweeting at the Foo Fighters. Be like, hey, Dave, can you just say in nerdery we trust? Just for us, just for once. No, like... just go, hey, D, like you know him. Hey, D. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, D. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right. Peace, potheads. Cheers. Peace. Peace.